0: Welcome back to the Keep Going Podcast. In this third episode in our continuing series on the fundamentals of the sport of running, we wrestle with one of the bears every marathoner is required to attempt to tame. While food, nutrition, and fueling will always be loaded topics, here we try to dig deeper. Is there a standard protocol, or is it simply trial and error? There are those who run nutrition-free, and others who engineer a very specific and well-oiled plan of attack for maximizing the benefits of in-race nutrition. In this episode, we unpack the challenges and landmines associated with fueling in a race, and in the end, we tend to agree that while fueling is really important, it's also very idiosyncratic. We remind you that this podcast is a conversation and not a primer or final statement on the subject of fueling in a race. We aren't nutritionists, doctors, or authorities. We simply have lots of experience, and these experiences have informed our ideas around the topic. We bring you the episode we call, To Fuel or Not to Fuel? Is That Really a Question? Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed.
1: Uh, We could have almost recorded our little...
2: Hit me with the mystical marambas. (laughs)
0: settings
2: while I'm in it. I love this as the intro. Which one do you want? What are you eating when you're running? (laughs) A deep dive into the great world of the... Is it gastronomy? What is gastronomy? Gastronomy is like... Is that the gastrointestinal juice? (laughs) I think so. Today we're talking about fine... Cuisine during the art of the endurance sports. And cuisine. What are we eating? What are we not eating? What's the deal? What exactly is food? <laughs> and how do we talk about it? In context. Do we break it off into this new thing called this new this new fad called fad adapting? Or is it a fad at all? Is it burning sugar is it burning fat does food matter these
0: are all the questions that i have and that's why i brought it up yeah i think it's going to be a good topic i wonder if this will fit under fundamentals
1: i think it does yeah
0: i mean we're kind of going meta i mean we're going a little advanced but we're already having advanced listenership so they're like we're the fundamental is like you need to know what you're doing with your nutrition god do you think it's the kind of the cool thing about nutrition is like i think we said this i think this somebody recently like I have people that do no nutrition at all for a marathon. Mm -hmm. And I have a guy who's, who in his Boston marathon, he tried to get in a thousand calories. I mean, he tried to get in a hundred calories every 30 minutes or something like that. He was like doing a triathlon protocol Mm -hmm. as a runner. And he's like, it worked awesome. I'm like, but. Very few people yeah. can do that Dude, kind of I thing. I
2: would think I come from ju- the
1: afterwards it would just all come back up.
2: Well, I come from two different worlds, that? so I'm like, I have yeah. like an identity crisis right. in trying to figure out how I even fuel. Like yeah. nine out of ten training runs currently, I will stop for water. And I'm not messing with any nutrition. Right. And then it's like during this previous Boston Marathon cycle, I was like, wait. I went all the way to the end without training with nutrition. The first time I ate nutrition was a bunch of can on race day. And I always do well with that, but I don't know if I was missing out
0: on any of the Were you doing benefits. the UCAN gel in the race, or did you do pre the pre-UCAN? Yeah, I do the gels, um, and I do about... You don't do the shake at the start, the little... Sh- oh, I do. Um, the OG shake, that was what they started with. Yeah. John mm-hmm. hooked, John got me hooked on that the back in the day. The super starch
2: yeah. uh, powder. And yes. It, that stuff was great. I do that for... I do, before in Ironman, I'll do... I'll do like uh, a serving of super starch like an hour before the race and then I'll start to slow drip it but the way that I have it visualized in my head is kind of like there's a there's a you can fuel line and then closer it's like midway through the race like towards the end then I'll switch over to like Martin or Cliff or you know, whatever anything that works. they really have on the course but yeah. um, but it's like kind of trying to like get into the two different fuel sort see I'm Yeah, it's just interesting. And then when I go to marathon running in a marathon training cycle, it's like, should I have been training with nutrition and, you know, or or not? This is why this is
0: such a good topic, because as coaches, you know, as a coach of a group um, Mm -hmm. where I'm working with, you know, dozens of people, it's nearly impossible to give a standard protocol. Mm -hmm. but it's almost like everybody wants a standard protocol they want somewhere to start but if you do provide that standard protocol you're gonna leave somebody out sure who needs either something different or who can't handle fuel at all and so over the last couple of years because I went hard in that for a while where I started to create a protocol yeah Um, and then and I do think it's really important for everybody who does choose to do nutrition to practice it during their training of course but I think that you can you, you you need a protocol for working with it but if you can't handle nutrition at all then the protocols are not going to work for you so you know at the end of the day you try to create some kind of main uh, overview big plan for multiple people but at the end of the day it, it really has to be individually done and i think that's one of the things i'm th- hoping we can help people with in this conversation, which is like, what would protocols look like? How would you start with protocols? How would you do all that? And then for those people who are like, okay, what are the aberrations? Where are the, where are the, where are the people who cannot, what do you do with the various people that don't have that? Because, um, I mean, John, you've worked with multiple athletes at the level where they've been able to take, and the other aspect here, guys, is remember some people, can have bottles Mm -hmm. and have bottle service. Right. And then most of the average people that are listening are not getting bottle service. So they have to service, they have to figure that out themselves. Right. So, and actually now what I'm hearing, I heard recently about somebody who was at a race with USATF where somebody handed them a bottle in the race and they got, they were, there was a threat of a disqualification, which to me is like, how is that possible that an athlete can have a table do it, but somebody can't like ride beside them and hand them a drink. Like, I do know that on for Olympic trials qualifying standards, if somebody, if you're running beside somebody and somebody hands you a drink or a fluid, that you could be disqualified. I'm like, how is that possible? But anyway, lots of things to unpack here. Yeah. So wh- where do we want to start? Like, how do we start with this topic? I liked what big- you
2: said, which was trying to find a healthy way to breach the conversation. And it's almost like, should we explore how to if there's no common or direct protocol on how to do it, should we explore things that are misaligned thinking best practices or offer them questions to ask? Or, um, it's like, it seems like there needs to be some trial and error in the process.
0: So this is my thinking. First of all, let's talk about why people need fuel at all. Okay. Maybe that's a good place to start.
1: Yep. It's, I, I've I, always called it rather than nutrition, I've called it fueling mm-hmm. because it's basically just the intake of carbohydrates, which is and on the move. So it's fueling the nutrition part. I always lumped in with what are you doing in the other 22 hours of the day? Or whatever. Sure. You know that I mean? makes sense. And um, fueling
2: can be electrolytes it, or salts yep, and, yep, yep, yep. you know, and so more like if a it's
1: when you get specific, I start calling it fueling. So, um, and it, it doesn't really matter, but that was just in my head. That's the vocabulary. no. I think that's
0: a good clarification.
1: Um, the like Steve said earlier, some people are really, really good at taking in carbohydrate, and it never bothers them. And then you have some people who they, they just they can do water only. And you it takes time as a coach to figure out who's who and things like that. The other thing is people who. Are doing a, like a a fueling protocol. If their if their nutrition outside of whatever activity they're doing is shit, <laughs> the fueling protocol is a, probably a waste of money. Mm. You know what I mean? If you're not taking care of the fundamentals before you're, you know, working on the one or two percent things, mm-hmm. then the one or two percent things. They don't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it makes total sense.
2: And, it's like the, the most important meal for me always is the day before. Yeah. It's like maybe even the night before. Yeah. Um, it feels like I can really accumulate some energy. We always, we never
1: brought in fueling when I had a bigger group. We never really brought in fueling until we started doing specific work. Up until then, um, I would liked the idea of letting your body adapt to the duration naturally, right? You want, if someone hasn't run to the two hour mark yet in their training and you need to build them up, I wouldn't, I would, even if the last 20 minutes of that two hour run, they were really suffering, that's, that's the training. So you don't want to fuel as you're preparing, because you want your body to naturally adapt to the duration, the distance, the paces, and all that. Kind Does
2: that of stuff. have anything to do? <clears throat> it's easy to to buy into how um, efficient becoming fat adapted yeah. is, especially well, in the long distance triathlon world. Right. I don't know if it's as important in the running world. I'm just not I'm not 100% sure on that, but it's it's really easy to understand it when you're racing for like Yeah, yeah. 12 hours or something. Right, the the
1: higher the rate of exertion, the lower the rate of fat burning, right? Mm-hmm. And you would like in a 2-hour event, what's the fastest Ironman times now or what? I just I mean the pros are like I mean, shit, man, they're like eight, eight hours. Yeah. Okay. So that's four times the marathon in between. Yeah. Right. And the marathon, we've reached the point now where the, the athletes know every five K they're going to take in eight ounces of whatever. Right. It's, it's become really specific and that's a two hour event. So I would think an eight hour event, they have people working 24 hours a day trying to when figure out how to do you're burning
2: that predominantly, um, like I know this is probably going to get into in my mind we've we maybe do we do we have two different fuel sources in terms of how we burn anaerobic versus aerobic and is the marathon calling us to burn more anaerobic fuel and thus maybe focusing less on I think if
1: if I could sort of run like a congruent or a, a parallel line. I remember reading about like all, you know, 15 years ago, the coaches were trying, the the super elite Canova and all those guys were trying to raise the level of the threshold 1%.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like, or I'm sorry, drop or no, raise it 1%. So at the aerobic threshold? That upper aer- aerobic kind of like, like the, cocktail area? Yeah, so the the figure was your half marathon time add five double it add 5% or add 5% and double it or something like that. So and it um and if you did the calculations it was always right around 5% what the top level marathoners. And their goal was to try to get it to 4%. And just that 1% would like change everything, right? So they were trying to bring the threshold closer by one percent to their race pace, or the—I'm sorry—the race pace closer, and I think that was also about the time when you started seeing. And I don't know if it's coincidence or what, but that was when everybody started like the nutrition stuff, the fueling stuff just blew up. That was when. You started, um, uh, uh, it was not long before the, what was the stuff we were just talking about? You You Can. can. It -hmm. was not long before You Can and all that stuff.
0: When Scratch got, remember Scratch came in really big in that era.
1: And then um, the stuff you mentioned a little while ago, which is what, just four or five years old Martin? Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Which that kind of seemed to bring the sugar back into the zeitgeist well it's which it, is the melodextrin kind of it, cocktail and
1: apparently, it's I think the only th- the the real thing about that product is that it's not that it brings the sugar in it just brings it in over a longer period of time right mm-hmm. so you can store is it you store the carbohydrate basically in your stomach in these little gel is that what more I'm not a hundred percent
2: on it. it. To me, the I mean, at least the way that it's, I, I see that this is where it's like super confusing yeah. to me is, is that.
1: Right. Because you're using, you're using the carbohydrate that's in your liver, in your muscles, um, in, in the bloodstream and all that kind of stuff. But they're different. Carbohydrate in the bloodstream and carbohydrate in the muscles, uh, are used at different rates so or or they get into the system quicker or something like that so you you have to think about um someone who's running two hours for the marathon is burning is burning sugar pretty much right
2: mm-hmm.
1: someone who's running four and a half hours for the marathon is not
0: so well they're burning sugar to a point and then they're and they're right they're, because they're burning a mix they're burning they're burning right they're they're, they're, is that some, they're so, mix
2: so here's the deal when you're training if if you're burning without if you're not fueling as much with you know carbohydrates mm-hmm. and supplementing that in my head you might kind of i have this idea that if i train less with nutrition i can it becomes more elastic like there's that period of time when you start a race and then you can you can rely on on the kind of the the fat to get you a little bit further down the road mm-hmm. before you really have to start topping off the sugar is yeah. that is that well you can do you can do that in is there an elasticity in there, terms well, of there, how training can can push and pull on race day nutrition
1: oh absolutely and the more and that that's why like you know back in the sort when the Lydiard heyday when mm-hmm. everybody was talking mostly about litid it was all of that stuff ultimately taught or taught bodies to burn fat efficiently because you're doing a lot of like super chill distant stuff and it when you're Going at 65%, 70%, you're burning a lot of fat. You know, that can be what concur- 30
2: ish to like 40% fat Maybe, or
1: something. Yeah, like that. I don't know the percentages, but I know you, you've got, I think, at least in my old anatomy and physiology classes or whatever, it was like the average human has 90 minutes of carbohydrate stored in their body at any given time. So you should be able to go out mm. for 90 minutes walking doing whatever and then you start to like get a little fuzzy because you know the sugar is running out which is maybe
2: why the marathon is so kind of cool because right you know it's well because you can get through that 90 minutes but then what yeah and or do you save that 90 minutes for the ass end of the you
1: with training you can
2: you can teach your body to go about two hours
1: without fuel right and which you know, like if the old, the old, you know, Frank Shorter, Bill Rogers, um, Greta White's that era of marathoning, the the wall was always at twenty miles, which was coincidentally about the time when they naturally ran out of sugar mm-hmm. at those paces, right? Coinciding
2: with the the the, the bonk, the bonk, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So the bonk and the wall were the same thing. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. a. They were a, a fueling shift.
1: Yeah. And with fueling you can extend that a little bit. Um and now I think now that people are running close to two flat, I think it's I don't know what the science is behind that, but
0: Yeah, I think they're that's really... a lot of sugar.
2: Because it still seems like when I watch Kipchoge run, he's still fueling. Like, oh he's, they're definitely fueling. He, oh, yeah. he is fuel even though it's a shorter amount of time, he's taking in what looks to be quite a bit of the same amount of that you would see in like a, Oh, take a gel every three, six, 10, yeah. 15, miles, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah they're and, doing that I mean that, a
0: lot of that. You know, I don't know if you watched the, um, the, the, the video content that they had the Kipchoge movie that came out relatively recently where they really tracked him on his fueling. They didn't give you his protocols, but they were showing you how much they had dialed in his fueling for that sub two hour mm-hmm. that they had it. They had the exact amount. They were actually picking up the bottle after he used it. He was, he'd been trained to close his bottle before he tossed it. Sure. Then they picked the bottle up and they measured how much he used. And they were using that to formulate the next bottle that came down the pike. Well, like to that noticed? level of that level of specificity is something that I think a lot of people get excited and interested in. And to me, it's completely fucking irrelevant mm. because there's he no way a, that that's going to happen. A glucose for you.
1: monitor. When he races now, wow! Under yeah. the, if you look under the left sleeve, there's mm-hmm. a bump right here. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I'm sure it's some scientist going. We're gonna.
0: I wonder if it's even trip. a slow release glucose it could, patch. I it mean, could, could those things be? I mean, to me, that's it, this is the brave new world when yeah. we talk about what they're doing with shoes and things like yeah. that. To me, it's like well, we talked about this. How do you? hit a couple of episodes ago, it's like well, the real the real stretch would be physiology. You know, the way I handle this, so that I think that a lot of what we're talking about here is, okay, what's going on with the elites? What's going on with the everyday person? Sure. With the elites, what's going on is they've got water bottle service. And, and when I first started working with my pros, they didn't even know what that was. They come out of the college system. They're like, what? What do I do? What do I take? And you're like, well, just put your gels on. tape your gel to yeah. the outside of the water bottle and we'll figure it out from there. Because. <laughs> we weren't very sophisticated, and now they've gotten more and more sophisticated. And I think that maybe that is making a 1% difference in, in their performance. Um, but to me, one of the main things that I focus on a lot with people um, is this, this, this wall or the, the, the bunk, mm-hmm. which is not a real bunk, by the way, because mm-hmm. anybody who's a cyclist, they know what a real bonk is. Runners can't bonk the same way cyclists can because the human body has to protect itself. So there will be some kind of governor that comes into play if you've ever been on a bike and you've bonked you know it's a completely different physiological experience And than are, if you, are
2: you talking about the fact that your legs just don't move
0: you cannot function <laughs> you can't and that, cannot move. that is
2: a very interesting experience
0: and you don't have it, that in running you can't with run with running yourself it's there. almost
2: a. it like shuts you whole, down first it's the whole body it's a different situation fatigue but like, comes
0: in differently yeah, your body it, your body it, deals with, with I that I fatigue it's
2: more muscular correct it's, 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 and you can
0: drop off like that so what I do with because I've came I mean a lot of this was intuitive because I came to that I'm like okay. Really, 30k is the point that we need to be thinking about fueling. Right. If at thir- any event below 30k, you don't need to fuel for anybody. In my opinion, I don't see any need for anyone to fuel. Now, if you were trying, if you were a four-hour marathoner trying to run the best 30k, I don't know that that exists. But maybe there's somebody out there. Maybe you want to fuel. But to anybody, most the next obvious distance down is half marathon and i don't have any of my athletes fuel for half marathon if i had a two hour half marathon or does that include water or not include water no water does water should be taken at all times but don't think of water as a fuel it's a parchment water water is a a natural occurring essential substrate to human performance so even if you don't take in and depending on the distance i mean if i was doing a half marathon we would take water at 10k And 20k probably we would take water Mm -hmm. at both those two spots for sure and we would take water we would try to hold it we would try to keep it for as long as we can we'd nurse it because it really helps your performance but it's doing it's operating at a different level it's like a balancer Mm -hmm. rather than a fuel it's sort of like and this is where you see people run into problems on hot humid days they will drink their fuels their, their their take their gels and they won't take very much water and they'll end up with lots of issues down the line not because of fueling but because of Water
2: imbalance issues. I think that there, maybe that is something to uncover today for me personally, is that water is unique to the fueling process. It's a very
0: different thing. And and sometimes the water is just to get down your fuel. Mm -hmm. So that's there is that. But you need to be also taking in a a set amounts of water um, during your run. And this is especially true for people who are stopping at water stops, like my athletes, because they're already trained to take in that water. So their body, when they're functioning at a high level, whether they're in training, training and doing quality long run workouts, or if they're doing even just easy long runs, they're stopping periodically to take in water. And you just need to realize that when you stop doing that on race day, you've not practiced that and your body's gonna have a problem with it. But I've always just viewed 30K as this sort of a critical, crucial number. That's where, and so what I tell people is, you want to be thinking of your fueling as how to handle the physiological aspects of the needing for fuel and the psychological aspects. Because I'm convinced for most people, this is why I'm a big pro in no nutrition on some runs, um, like you were talking about, John, to two hours. Um, I like to do even three hour runs with no nutrition because there's some kind of mental cliff that you fall off of that's when that glycogen runs out there's a, again whatever's going on evolutionarily that tells us hey we should be careful if you're not careful and you don't judiciously use your fueling if a saber-toothed tiger comes up behind you you might not be able to get away you know it, there's all these things that are going on that your body's trying to work yeah. through and you need, you need to keep stretching and pressing that Psychological right. thing out. So there's a and when and and people are like, but that's not fueling. Why do I need to practice that? Because you can't do math, you can't function. You're right. just locked and loaded on one key thing, and that's not something that the human species has evolved very well to do. So we have to practice it. So I like be my athletes to do no nutrition for a while, yep. and then we do three or four specific sessions where I ask them to implement their Fueling protocol. Yep. I do not provide a fueling protocol for them. Um, and people get grumpy at me, but I have done that in the past. And then that fueling protocol becomes some kind of, it's an uh, excuse. Document. Uh, No, it's like, tell me to do this. Yeah. But more, more that they think that that protocol is universally relevant. Mm. Just like somebody, right. just like a Bible, like the Bible, then is becomes oh, this is how to live, and yet five different faith, three different faiths have three different reactions to new old the old. They got Judaism's version of the Old Testament, right. Christianity's version of the Old Testament, and 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 Islamic version of that. Like they're yeah. the same exact experience, but they're having completely different. Yeah. that's the same thing that happens with fueling. So I think that's why I don't do much with it. Now I work with individual athletes, but it's mostly like. Keep trying and keep working with it. Now, I have a couple athletes, women especially, who can't take any fuel at all. Like Lena. And I have another athlete that does the same thing. They just can't, and this is what I did with Lena. I just said, don't take fuel. Just keep not taking it. Just go for extending, extending, extending. When we get to a point where you need to fuel because that's the next level, because she's not run fast enough yet to have been in a situation where her performance was negatively impacted by her lack of fuel. Mm-hmm. So once she and it's not really a pace per mile, it's mostly like having enough good races. Yeah, sure. Because she hasn't had very many great marathon races. She's mm-hmm. had really challenging events because she's because of her goals and other pieces of the puzzle. But let's say she gets two, three, four events out there and let she gets down towards three hour time and she's like, okay, I need a little extra. Well, then let's start playing with the fueling a little bit more. But to go as long as you can, not this is why I'm a big fan of not fueling. It's like, it's it's good for you to go through windows of not fueling. Well, but if you can take in the fuel, then you need to practice taking in the fuel and yeah, I knowing what that is.
1: At, at the base level, right? Remember the old thing we used to tell people when we'd have the big rogue groups would gather for the first meeting mm-hmm. before everybody... When often we'd say the human body will adapt to almost anything you give it if you if give, you it, give time. it time. Yep. And so and that is the principle behind as you're building up to get fit enough to train, you allow the natural physiological adaptations that long distance running provides you to take place.
0: Because they're good. Because they're good. <laughs> they've been they've been hard they've been hardwired yeah. to, to be effective. And then <laughs> Under when duress. you are
1: fit enough to train and you're going at efforts beyond what is you know, I mean you need days to recover after your big training efforts, right? That's not generally how we live right now. So you have to fuel and you have to have a I think the recovery protocol probably more important than the fueling, but the recovery protocol also invi- involves actual food and sleep and stuff. So I think one whatever your coach said, you know, you start your specific work 12 weeks out or 14 weeks out or 16 weeks out or whatever, that's ample time to get your body used to taking in all the fuel that you're going to take. And giving yourself the little extra boost in those really long grindy workouts though it actually benefits you then but to do it before how long out typically depending you know i'm i'm talking about in marathon training mm-hmm. when you know specific stuff can be can start anywhere from like 16 down to 10 weeks from race day right depending on the coach i like it to be a little bit shorter but i like 12 weeks um, because the specific work is so long and grindy that, you know, when you're doing, you know, a thirty k fartlek or whatever, that's really really hard on the system, and the recovery is, I think, more important than the fueling. But yeah, if you, I think it's like that. This is the fundamental part that people have just sort of skipped over. <laughs> like you gotta get let your body adapt the way it's designed to adapt for what you're doing
0: evolutionarily uh, yeah right. it's designed to handle any stress yep. because it has gone through it
1: yeah and if you go if you get to the point where you do 26 two-hour runs in 26 consecutive weeks you could at that point you could probably run a really really good marathon oh, yeah. just off two-hour runs oh yeah because your body will be really well adapted, but nobody's gonna go out and run 26 weeks of two hours. You know what I mean? And people just, that's not the way we set up our training systems. You know, unless you, you'll have an outlier, a guy who's just like, every Sunday morning for the last 30 years, I've run two hours and four minutes. Mm-hmm. And that dude's super ready to go do a marathon, you know, any day of the week. But because we work in such short time frames, it it's almost like, We've skipped over it because we we're, we don't give we just don't give ourselves time to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do twelve and and this doesn't mean you you have to skip workouts and just do lots of long running. You can still you can still do all the training you want. I just think you know that midweek long run of ninety minutes or whatever, and the long run on Saturday or Sunday of two hours, two hours plus. If you if that's just water and you have, you know, four months of those, you're ready to go.
0: You could do, and then the fueling protocol becomes, how does your stomach handle? Right. How can you, cause you got two pieces. You got, what does your body utilize effectively and, and in a, in an effective way in a workout and, and hopefully on race day. And then what can your stomach handle? Yeah. And then you, different people have different thresholds for that. Um, and it's, uh, it's crucial. So that's why I don't do a protocol because I'm like do as little nutrition as possible for as long as possible and try to do a few really, really long runs with no nutrition. Now you're ready for the cliff drop that happens both physiologically and psychologically. If you can handle that, then you're not afraid anymore. Cause this is what a lot of people, this is what happens with fueling. I'm convinced people are sucking on those things. Like they're the mother's tit. Like I see people on, on, 90 minute runs in my group and I go to pick up the water stop trash and there's gels all in there. And I'm like, what are you doing? Now there's a few people I know in my group who are have a specific protocol that they use and they've always used. Like this guy I was talking about who has this, and so he needs to keep, he's decided this is how he effectively keeps his body running on that fueling, right? That's a lot more the way a triathlete would look at it. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, I'm like, okay, but what happens if you don't have that gel? I'm always thinking about, okay, what happens when something goes wrong? You drop one, you don't have it. Now now, now, how resilient and flexible are you yep. when that doesn't happen? Yep. What about, in, in
2: terms of that, that sounds like it's um, specifically on the, it's maybe not specifically, but kind of tips towards the carbohydrate scale. Yep. What about um, electro, like electrolytes or salts? You know, like what about cramping and things like that? Is there is there something? <laughs> is it is it still same the same physiological? You no, know, there there are evolutionary principles.
1: I you think? I I would. I mean, I haven't used any other products in a long time and haven't had to prescribe them, and honestly, haven't paid that much attention. But I would think a lot of the stuff, the products, the carbohydrate products have some electrolytes in them. Now, I don't know. But I know people who've carried noon tablets with them. And I'm like, you're really going to sit and wait for that to dissolve? Um, <laughs> I think if you're someone who, burn, who sweats a lot, I think it's probably more important that you pay attention to that. I think most people in, you know... If the humidity is high, if the heat is high, maybe you need to pay attention to it. I think most people, if you've, if you've got, a, if you've got a, a good diet outside of running, I think you, your electrolytes are probably okay for the most part.
0: I am 100% agreeing with John. In fact, I've seen some research relatively recently over the last couple of years that has indicated that nearly all cramping that's happening has nothing to do with electrolytes at all. And that's a, that's a misnomer. Um, it's going on. What's going on is that the the muscles have been required is what John talked about last week when we were talking about London about how the, shoe, how the neuromuscular recruitment patterns that occur when you're running, your muscles as you land on the ground it, they shake. It's a vibration. It's a vibration and then also you're beginning to have poorer mechanics so your mechanics start to adjust and change because your hips lock up a little bit your, your, your lower back locks up a little bit so your mechanics start to shift and then you've got this shake that's going on and this is what's causing neuromuscular firing of muscles that are not ready to do what they need to do. Can electrolytes and potassiums help with that they're not they're not it's not the same they might not prevent it but can they help with it no because it's not occurring because of a lack there's still plenty of electrolytes and and it's already in there so, this is this. I'm not a hundred. No, again, you know, we, again, when you listen to this podcast, we are not doctors. <laughs> we're we're. This is just a I years don't even and play years one on TV. But yeah, this, this is years and years of experience, yeah. and I'm convinced that a, a most people's diet eat, eat a pizza the night before your race or two nights before your race, and you're probably good on good to go. Unless you're running a four four and a half hour now. Ultras, that's a different. What that's a different topic beyond four hours and longer. Now you're dealing with all kinds of different things. This is why you might be having cramping on long cycles. The only like, time I've ever cramped is
2: during a race that's over about six hours.
0: So that's because you're, there's no way you could have properly the, prepared for the that. cramping event.
2: is like a,
1: it's like a, a fatigue at the cellular level.
0: Correct. It's a fatigue at the cellular level. That's exactly what it is. This is, this is a big, big misnomer in the running in, the, in people. And, and it, it's, now I do think, Kona, you may be dealing with some of that because you've been exposed. You're outside for an extended window of time heat, in a very heat,
1: isn't it super
0: hot? It's hot, but it's also time? but also like the ocean, so it all walks wicks off your body really, really quickly. So then you are end up. I mean, when you you know when you got done with those runs and you're all salty, yeah, you need to replace and refuel and re, but and maybe you're having some impact, especially if you've been drinking the night before, so your electrolyte imbalances are all off because you've been flushing your system with alcohol you know that might be a little bit of a different thing but yeah I mean that's a that's a big anytime an athlete tells me I'm cramping and I'm cramping at the end of the race and like it's it's more often than not it's not I mean I I can't say it with 100% certainty but I don't focus on that now what I do do is because I do think there are such things as placebos um, I do recommend my athletes take a practice taking a you know a, a, a capsule that has an electrolyte in it or to have their gel have electrolytes in it so that they know that they've taken care and checked that box. Doesn't, it's not too hard well, to carry a little pill around and take it down and and, and then you feel better because you, you, you prim, did it. Yeah. Do you but all it,
1: remember reading about that study where people they did a study with endurance athletes and I think it was on the bike but they did a study where the athletes had to pedal to exhaustion at X heart rate or whatever like that and they gave a placebo carbohydrate carbohydrate drink and then some people just swish the carbohydrate drink around in their mouth and then spit it out and then they had one cyclist with that actually took in a carbohydrate drink and they all kind of performed the same that's awesome yeah because the brain get like with when you take the drink and swish it around in your mouth
2: that sounds like a nervous system situation
1: it is <laughs> because your brain thinks (laughs) carbohydrates coming so it releases the hormones yeah
0: this is the next level of training in my opinion when people begin to start really deep digging deep into the nervous system and the way that basically it's patterns but that's everything. That's
2: outside of your training runs. That's what you're eating. That's how you're. Everything that's is cognitive. The, everything thought is process. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and those things are so critical and crucial to it. And that's why I think when people are so obsessed with the fueling, I think and I don't want to dismiss the importance of fueling to get that one percent. I think it may be one percent, maybe two. But you know, it, it's not. It's not what I think. It, again, I'm I'm an I'm a luddite when it comes to this particular mm-hmm. topic so i, I will take I, i'm our- not
1: necessarily a I, I just think we really have to kind of like pump the brakes and kind of pay attention more to okay. i think this is why i think like if you have a group of 60 people you're training and it's runners from 245 to four hours right every single one of those people in there wants to run a little bit faster than what they ran last time and they're not even close to what they're capable
0: of. No, they're not.
1: Because they're, they're thinking about, they're, <sighs> they're trying to serve
2: their engine when they should be thinking about bigger strides, like they, kind of like dude, different, get your different funda- recovery practices, different schedule, the, the
1: fundamentals first before everything else. You, I mean, you, no other way to do it as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. like some you know when people like i've been running for a year that's what
2: i think is is different in my mindset now going into this next year it's like i've got six months before i train for anything again and i'm like you know what i've never done just badass volume and love and trying to create a great schedule yeah well like just like get in and feel feel you know feel the road just do the road just let it let yeah. just let that happen go for runs go for more than what i want to do just try that out you and some buddies and just go on
1: go just play a little bit find find a really cool restaurant you want to go to that's 50 miles away ride your bike to the restaurant
2: have a nice little burger ride back do that you know what i mean and but do that a lot mm-hmm. i think that's pr- it's very important in swimming is the is the thing that i've kind of Realized is that the fundamental in swimming one of them is just time
0: being yeah. in the water just
2: being in the water, like yeah. learning how to move in the water, and it's like I used to think so hard about like where where's my you know what is what is this and like where, where's my hand go what's the angle of this like how strong are my lats and like and it's <laughs> of course that's gonna but that is like that's to shave off like another five seconds off of a hundred meter split. Right. But like, I think that if I just got into the fucking water three times as much as I was, cause I didn't like swimming that I could probably shave off 15 seconds or 20 seconds off of
0: there. No, I, I agree. This is why a base phase in running is so critical and crucial. It's what I think is missing from 90% of runners, even the runners I work with because they're on a two to three marathon a year cycle. When you sign
2: up for a marathon, you sign up for it like four months away and they start then. Or they
0: sign up for a year but then they've got three of them in play. They mm-hmm. Two or three of them. And I'm lucky my athletes do two marathons in a year if I'm lucky. I have a few who do just one and those who do just one, they do much better in their race because they got a long phase of not doing what John was just talking about. Uh, they get these windows of time where they're spending just working on being an animal the like way working on the animal yeah. the animality of being it. It. like just doing the thing mm-hmm. that the animal that this particular body needs to do right
1: yeah i think that the way that we're training now and this is not we but like you look at the elite athletes training and then the way it sort of filters down to the people we work with they that really long grindy stuff where you're doing you know six by 5k or you know that kind of stuff that stuff i think is, it's the stuff that makes you really really fast but it also really really hurts you in the long term
0: it fritzes the nervous it, system It fritzes
1: the nervous system and like i saw i've started i'd carved it back with rory because it dude, he i mean he ran had a great marathon but like when you try to duplicate really big sessions like that, particularly with someone who doesn't have a full-time masseur who doesn't, you know, who doesn't have someone preparing their breakfast for him and all that kind of stuff. And he's on his feet all day. And he's on his feet all day. It's really, it's hard to bounce back from. Mm. Um, And so I, I think for sort of the lay athlete, I think if you get your foundation really, really solid that, you know, you're, you c any week you can go out and knock out a two hour run without having a glass of water before, because oh, sorry, time to go for a two hour run, and you're fine. if you can sort of get to that point where you can just blow through a two hour run without anything then you're then you're ready to do almost anything I think
0: yeah, and then you can work on the little the little pieces of the puzzle that how does your body handle the fuel and you know there was a I went to this many years ago. John, I don't think you were, I don't know if you were at this. We we went to a um an opportunity to sit down with the exercise physiologist department at University of Texas there and Dr. Coyle, um, Dr. Eddie Coyle was there and um some other guy. Anyway, they had worked with Lance in the past and fueling and things, things. And they heard about our, we were talking to them about a variety of different training related things and he was asking about our fueling protocol and I mentioned about no nutrition. And he said, you, this is just just crazy, why in the world would you not take nutrition and, and, you know, he, he really pushed him was like, you need to make sure your athletes are doing nutrition. I was like, oh, they do do nutrition. We just, I have this theory that on loaded events, when you're loaded with running, because he, almost all the work he was doing was on, triath- on triathletes or Cyclist And all of the protocols were on a bike. And if they did do a a protocol that was on the ground, it was on a treadmill, which is softer than the real ground. And they were only on it for eight minutes, 12 minutes, an hour, let's say at most. And so like you're, so what I, I said to him is like, I totally respect where you're coming from. And I understand that your point of view is why not take the fuel, but we're dealing with a psychological effect. And, Science doesn't take that into consideration right. enough, in my opinion. Well, and so, you know, what, what what you're saying, John, is the most critical piece of the puzzle is if not fueling is not the answer, but getting to the point where you can handle no fuel for extended windows of time, so your body operates effectively without it. Yep. Then, when you take it on, the body says, "Oh my god, superpower!" Yeah, it's like So I'm a, it sounds like. It's like doing it's important ball. it is to
2: learn how to fuel to get your percentage right. dividends on the back end of a race it's also as important to learn how to not fuel that's about as plain yeah. as it is and it's like you know it's what like i think is more
1: important is figure out like don't eat a bunch of crap all the time like out right, think about if you average let's say you average one hour training a day per week. Mm -hmm. Seven hours and that's really not very much, right? Mm -hmm. I mean it is to a lot of people, but if you're in training for something, it's not that much.
0: Most elites are doing 10 hours of work. Sure. Right. Eight to ten hours. Even people who are running 70 miles a week, you're you're at that ten hours. And that doesn't
1: include all the supplemental stuff, you know, biometric work or whatever. The twenty three hours you're not doing your running have a greater effect (laughs) on your running than the one hour your running has on your running.
2: And is that split between, well, obviously rest? Rest, putting
1: nutrients in your system to make your body function.
2: So it's important to refuel after a run? Or in terms of the food, it's more just about like, well, this is kind of more of a practical lifestyle.
1: I had my heart broken the other day because someone that I work with was outed as having a junk food diet. hmm And I, I wasn't aware of that at all. That was like, you're kidding me. Really? You're like eating Pop-Tarts all day? And I'm like...
0: You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Gotta refuel.
0: Yeah, how are, how are you... It's, it. And when everybody mm-hmm. wants to ask us, how do you do that? I'll tell you very simply what I learned at the University of Texas. This great nutritionist came in and talked to us. And she said, hunt, fish, <laughs> pick. Yeah. yeah. If you can't hunt it, you can't fish for it, or you can't pick it, you should not need it. Now, that's not a really practical way to live, but it does... Unless you're
1: completely off-grid
0: But it does... Well, but you could choose that at Whole Foods. Sure. You could literally go to Whole Foods and say, okay, this item right. was not... This particular slab of, of steak was not hunted. But right. a steak is something that is generally hunted, right? right. Is that was that more that theory. And to, but it does provide you with a very simple understanding for what that is. And somebody who says, well, I'm a vegan, well, pick. If you're a vegan, then you're going to do that already, right? So yeah. pick. And, well, I think
1: like a lot of...
0: Um, but if it's processed, it's not good for you. It's like, already been... it's All the work has been done and your system is designed to do the work. Why do we have such bad teeth? people? I mean, our teeth are getting worse and worse and worse because we don't chew bones for marrow and we don't do all the, the things we used to do.
1: You know. it, it, here's another thing too. If you have to supplement your protein intake with bars that's a that's a problem too it's because you're not the so i listened to not it wasn't a mm. dietitian or nutritionist but like um i don't know if it was a biologist or a chemist explain it like when your body digests the foods that all those nutrients are in you know the way like certain plants and everything are more fibrous all of that your body is evolved to to work, re- it. to work with all that digestion and the nutrients, so if you're it, like if you're taking your nutrients in bar form or whatever, they don't absorb in the same way.
0: It's like B twelve. Yeah. and you know I think that this this it's re- so it's a big topic and it can be so, distressing to somebody who's listening to us. It's like oh my god, but well, don't worry about it. Just eat as healthy as you possibly can, and do it consistently. Is it better to eat more than
2: to refuel? Is it better to when you're recovering, Mm -hmm. either before or after a workout? Do you all have an an opinion on if it's healthier to eat more or less? First 30 minutes is calories. Yeah,
1: I think they say... it's like after you lift
2: weights it's like it's good to eat protein within 30 minutes of that (laughs) well right there's there's this
1: window it's like 30 45 minutes something like that you get in get in something i think it used to be they said a four to one ratio carbohydrate to protein mm -hmm. and that was when enderox r4 and all Mm -hmm. these products these mixes and everything chocolate milk Mm-hmm. that does the same breakfast, thing.
0: Breakfast tacos. Breakfast
1: tacos sound pretty good to me. <laughs> they,
2: Dude, I've I always hit, loved I the breakfast taco shot, because, so. because the eggs. And yeah. It's, like, it's badass. Eggs and guac. Yeah. And and like I, avocado, egg, beans. I
1: think yep. Yep. As, as long as you're not like putting in a bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos your you're I think a in the first- peanut butter, Awesome.
0: I think in the first 30 minutes, it doesn't really matter. It's important just to get in. But then after that, you need to be starting to think that you're now fueling for the next run and the next run and the next run. So you've got the work that you did immediately after a run is 30 minutes, but then you're immediate. That's, that's working the past. But I think what, what John, one of the things John's saying, I think is really incredibly important is to be thinking for your future runs and that's people are fueling for the present recognizing that they need to do something immediately afterwards, but maybe not as paying close attention to all the critical pieces of the puzzle for what we call fueling that are happening all day long. How
1: many times, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. How many times in our old training groups where people, you know, we'd had the groups would get back from their long runs and everybody was fired up and, uh, you know, and, They'd go have really good healthy breakfast and it all sit around and everything. And then that night they'd all go out and get shit faced <laughs> and eat, you know, whatever that pizza is on Sixth Street. And, all, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you just negated all that stuff. So you have to
2: kind of keep everything in perspective. You know what mm-hmm. I mean?
1: You can't. It, I,
2: it's an interesting uh, one. Yeah. Well, I came I think- in looking for a protocol you wanted a protocol (laughs) there's there's, thanks for nothing well there's there's
1: a there's a a protocol if you're the, the scientists who say you need x number of grams of carbohydrate per hour per kilogram of body weight like this is the scientific and so there are people who try to follow that that way and for some people i think it probably works
2: but i think for the large majority of people, sounds it's, just, it's not even practical. It sounds a lot like the fucking shoes, which is like with the base models designed for. I mean, to increase hit the, proprioception, hit the, thing, and... hit the thing that goes uh, <laughs> the <what's>... bottom right.
0: <laughs> 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 no, no, give
2: me the mystical. Give me the. So the base model is designed to increase proprioception. <laughs> Yeah. What does that mean? Well, it also is good for an active recovery shoe, but it doesn't mean it is an active recovery shoe, and it doesn't mean that it's a track shoe, and it doesn't mean that it's a long-run shoe, and it doesn't mean that it's not a long-run shoe. <laughs> so it's like, well, how do you fucking market something like this? Well, well, you really don't. Like, it's just a tool. So not fueling and just taking in water on a two-hour effort is a tool, mm-hmm. and it's, it's important to let and the main thing is that that cascades and i'm i'm re re kind of palating everything just to kind of because i do that but it but that is something that signs point to something that's a little bit more important which is the nervous system and how the brain is reacting to this and how we can get ourselves prepared emotionally and physically both for the race but it doesn't mean it's based in right or wrong it means and why wouldn't you do that why wouldn't you use a varying degree of footwear why wouldn't you use a varying degree and why would you always just use one thing because it's the best for every single run it's like no it's it's not it, there's some there's some subtle finesse but it is a it's a it's a journey but when you boil it down it all comes back to the fundamentals and those are generally accepted upon you yes. know and
0: there's one other piece Um, Which is, if you are going to do any protocol, test it on your own body. Mm -hmm. Because it's idiosyncratic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't test with a caffeinated Morton gel (laughs) on race morning.
2: Oh, I was there for that day. (laughs) Oh, man. Do we get some spells? Oh, yeah.